For the News and Observer, I'm Don Bong, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, March 27th, 2023. Today, my guest is Senator Lisa Grasty, Raleigh Democrat. Thanks for being here, Senator. Thank you. Appreciate it. Grasty is a lawyer who ran her own firm for 16 years, then joined Disability Rights North Carolina, a nonprofit organization that advocates on behalf of people with disabilities. She is a freshman senator. Um, before we talk about legislate, uh, legislating, uh, why did why did you run? Why did you decide to run? You hadn't been in elected office before, right? I had not. No, um, I really had never thought about running for office. I'd never really considered um, that as a path for me. But I got a call one day about um, a new district that was created and all the redistricting. Uh, the question was whether I was interested in running or whether I might know somebody. And I said, I definitely do not want to run, but I'll think about who might be uh, out there. Uh, and then I hung up the phone and. Um, Oh, but eventually just started thinking about the kinds of work I've done over my career and the fact that I might be able to go and have some uh, impact by bringing that experience to the legislature. And I kind of got to the point where I thought to myself, well, why not me? Why not uh, take the chance to try to do this? So I jumped in with both feet and had them up back. Now, what is the one thing that you didn't expect about the building that now that the session is underway that that uh, that you and we'll talk a little bit more later if we have time about about your time as a freshman. But what's what's one thing that is um, kind of stuck out that that you didn't know going in? I think it's that how interactive and and engaged people are across all different roles in the building. And that may sound a little Pollyanna, but it really is sort of an environment where people interact a lot, and you talk to folks from all walks of life, and the media is there, the lobbyists are there, the, st- the staff is there, the members are there, and there's just a feeling of all being going to the same high school, essentially. <laughs> there's just kind of that um, that camaraderie that I wasn't expecting. I think I think so, too. And getting to know the, um, the security, the sergeant-at-arms, the police there, and interact with, it's like, um, it's like everyone's coworkers, but not, you know, thinking, you know, it's just an interesting place. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's talk about... Um, some of the bills that are coming up this week when you all are listening to this on Monday. Uh, we're recording this Friday, but we assume that Governor Cooper is probably going to have some fanfare with signing a Medicaid expansion bill that passed. And of course, uh, it's important to note that even though people say it's a simple bill, nothing is a simple bill, I don't think. And it's tied to passage of the budget. So Medicaid expansion will be passed but not quite so that's that's one thing we'll be looking out for the other thing going on this week is uh sports wagering legislation so what's your take on that uh there was it lost by one vote last year and it's got 50 state representatives saying the bill sponsor the um lincolnton republican said that um it's 56 co-sponsors where where are you on the bill so uh, I, I'm not aware of any sort of news counting on the Senate side yet. I'm sure somebody's out there doing that. I'm opposed to the bill, and um, but it's been a really interesting thing to watch sports rate wagering come through, in part because it's an issue where there is not an obvious partisan split. There's people are kind of all over the place in terms of what their thoughts are on it, that and they don't really break down along partisan lines. And also that there's been sort of such a long runway for the bill. We've known that it was coming. We've known that it was going to be similar to the one last year. It's being discussed in the House, and certainly we haven't really seen it in the Senate yet. So there's just been a lot of time for people to talk about and engage around the, the pros and cons and the substance of the bill, which 
uh, you might have noticed doesn't always happen with every bill, <laughs> you know, that it ha that it has this much um, time for discussion and, and this much debate over merits. So that to me as a freshman has been really interesting and kind of invigorating. I've really kind of enjoyed uh, watching that unfold because it's, it is very different than a lot of the things that come through. And, you know, the other piece of it I think that's been interesting is watching people, including myself, try to sort through kind of competing values as they decide how they feel about the bill. And for me, those are really around, on the one hand, the idea of personal freedom, that people should just be left alone to do what they want to do. And on the other hand, you know, ideas around consumer protection, which I think is a real consideration with regard to the sports gambling bill, because where I have a while landed on no on the bill is that to me, it's not really about personal freedom because this isn't, you know, you and I can't start set up a sports betting book <laughs> and become bookies and, and engage. It really just sets up a monopoly of out-of-state corporations to come in and use really sophisticated targeting and algorithms to, um, to engage in practices that have been really harmful in other states. So that's kind of where I went. Is it the way the bill is set up, or do you think that the um, you know online sports betting is something that that could become law in a different way than the bill is presented? I think it's there's something inherent in the online piece of it, and the fact that the way that we know algorithms work now and target and engage people in behaviors that they would not necessarily freely choose. I don't know how you regulate around that, and so. I, it's possible, I suppose, that you could. I have not seen in any other state or heard of any uh, options that really would address the fact that this is reaching into people's lives in ways that I don't think we're really prepared for. So on the, it's been interesting to see between, um, of course, uh, listeners, if, if you've been following the bill, this is just at the House side now. Um, but the last year, the Senate passed it, and then the House, there was a lot of... Um, contention debate, which it's funny that this is happening at the same time as Medicaid expansion, because I just realized I wasn't in the chamber covering that House vote last year because I was outside the chamber talking to Speaker Moore, who was recused from that vote, and about the House finally having uh, a Medicaid expansion bill. So both those things happened in the House the same same day. And then here we are, Medicaid expansion just passed and, and sports wagering is coming up again. Um, but so Representative Hawkins, who is a, a Durham Democrat, is a he and Representative Sane, the, um, as I mentioned, Lincoln County Republican, you know, are talking together about how they want this. And then the opposition so far on the House side from Democrats that I've heard is Representative Warre, Representative Harrison, uh, Representative Butler, you know, talking about why they don't support it, and Republicans that don't support it. So it could be one of those bills that so many people... Uh, have, have come on board that they do want it and how it's going to change. And then when it gets to the floor, it, it may, or, may or may not. But the amendments that I heard in committee didn't didn't go anywhere. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in the bill. So have you looked into that? Things that aren't aren't just about uh, about sports betting. What do you what do you think about some of those uh, extras in there and uh, extras like you know where are some of the dollars to go? Well, they're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, there are there is a lot in there, and I think a lot of it is sort of you know, kind of salted in to try to uh, uh, demonstrate some amount of revenue and to make promises to people about uh, where we might might get some dollars. And I think that's, I will say, it's a little cynical. I think to to be looking at it that way. What we have seen in other states is that the revenue forecasts have not really come to fruition. Uh, but even if we're talking about, I think they're saying. 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year at some point. 
in the budget, uh, that's not nothing. But on the other hand, it really has to be weighed against the consequences. And and in the context of the of thirty billion dollar budget, it's not as significant. But you also, I think, see in a lot of contexts when dollars like that come in, they tend to replace uh, rather than supplement uh, what we budgeted for. So I don't the the budget forecast piece of it and some of the individual payouts to different uh, entities, I think are really, um, I don't find them persuasive because from my point of view, we, you know, our, we should be supporting the infrastructure of our state. We should be supporting the services of our state in a sustainable and logical way and not trying to use a one-off kind of gambits to, um, to bring in dollars instead of just making the allocations because they're required and they're, and they're part of what people pay for when they pay their tax. Let's talk more about money and, and corporate taxes and this bill that you sponsored. So bring um, bring listeners up to speed on, on what that is, what you'd like to see. Sure. So the corporate tax rate, uh, un- under the last budget, there was a provision in the budget that will bring the corporate tax rate down to zero. It's brought it down so far from 6.9% to 2.5%, and it will continue to decrease to zero uh, in, in 2030. And there's even talk now of trying to accelerate that and bring it to zero faster. The bill I filed, and there was a companion bill in the House um, that Representative Moray filed as well. What those would do is to say 2.5% is actually a reasonable corporate tax rate, not just us saying that, but the Chamber of Commerce has said that. So our bills would essentially just uh, end the elimination of the corporate tax. And the reason for that is, you know, we're talking about probably a billion dollars a year in revenue at some point that's being lost because we eliminate the corporate income tax, and those are funds that could be used to fund a lot of the services that are being underfunded right now. And that, Representative Mori made the important point, I think, of comparing the billion dollars in lost revenue from that with the projected, you know, $50 million from the lottery. We have the means place to actually have revenue that's steady and reliable. Uh, and so cutting that corporate tax would really lose us that option. And it's unnecessary. We, we're, we have a really great business environment already. It's an unnecessary tax giveaway. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, those taxes might be in the budget that we'll see in a couple of days, and a few other things, plus what Senator Grassing likes for the cafeteria, and uh, our picks for headliner of the week. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer Politics reporter Don Bond, here with Senator Lisa Grassing. Before the break, we we're talking about the sports wagering bill and corporate taxes and everything that has to do with money. And also, the House budget is coming out this week on Wednesday. Speaker Moore told reporters uh, that it was coming. And, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I've been excited about how early it is because of how long the budget process is has been in, in years past. So I don't know if there'll be the, the phasing out of the corporate taxes. I don't, I've, I've asked Berger and Moore repeatedly for months on where they are on taxes in the budget and if that's something that they want to speed up or just keep of, of what they're doing. And I think we'll probably see my own prediction, I guess, is the usual that the House wants higher raises and uh, maybe not as high tax cuts and the Senate wants higher tax cuts and not as high raises. So um, what do you, where are you on, and you have interest too in, in, in workers' rights in North Carolina where are you on what pay should be? Cooper's budget proposal gave teachers and principals really big raises, about half as much for state employees and for 
the school support personnel like bus drivers. And of course, we have that big shortage going on now. So what do you, where are you on what you think people should make or, or any other worker protections or anything else? Right. I, I think we, the, the raises look big that, that the governor proposed because we've dug ourselves a hole, right? So we've been underpaying people and we've kind of known that this is not a surprise to anybody, I think. So where I'm at, out, at on that is that we really need to be working toward uh, market rates so that we can keep people in positions. And, and the, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We're seeing people leave. We see what's happening. It's not rocket science, and you don't have to be an economist to figure out that we're not compensating people and not valuing them the ways that we should be valuing them. So I support uh, the, the governor's increases in wages. I think it's important that we get there. Um, and I, I have said, and I'll, I'll continue to try to make this point, we, we talk about our budget surplus, but we don't really have a surplus. Well, we have our unpaid bills, right? We have not been funding things at the level that we need to fund them to sustain them in the long term. And my big concern about things like more tax cuts is we're just digging ourselves a bigger hole and creating a cliff later on down the road. So to me, I think it's right that we have a lot of businesses coming to North Carolina. But we need to be able to staff those positions. I think we're going to be struggling to staff some of those um, uh, positions that are coming to the state because of underinvestment. From my point of view, I come from kind of a workers' rights background in my legal practice. And what I have advocated for and, and going to continue to advocate for is that workers have more ability to negotiate. And part of that is around the ability to unionize, which has been curtailed in North Carolina based on some statutes that limit the ability of employers and employees to enter into certain kinds of Right. The union membership rate in North Carolina is all the way at the bottom except for South Carolina. And there's like occasionally the membership rate is um, a little even lower here um, than South Carolina, but mostly it's it's the Carolinas. I mean, wanting to overturn the ban on collective bargaining is something that the Democrats have tried for uh, a while and doesn't seem to have any support. Um, where do you think, you know, what is there to do um, that maybe there's some common ground on on workers, on government workers, or or anyone else. There may be, and I think it's important that we keep pushing for it, and not just assume that North Carolina is always going to be hostile to unions. I think we're something around four percent of people and workers in North Carolina are unionized. It's a little bit less. That real real time fact. I know. I feel like it's like around two percent. I'm not quite sure. I was being optimistic. Uh, so the, uh, the other piece of it besides the sort of public sector collective bargaining is there's a pr prohibition in our law. Uh, so in other states, if you are, if a union is negotiating with an employer, they can agree that this is a union shop and that people who join uh, the company have to pay union dues. And so in North Carolina, we have a ban against that. So you can't actually, an employer and a, and a union can't agree to that. And that means then that you have weakened unions because you have folks who might get a job and decide they're not going to pay their union dues, right? And that undermines the ability of the union to sustain itself. So those are called free riders. And um, so that's that's another kind of impediment. But I think this is actually a really important time in our history in that we have for shortages. We have lots of folks trying to organize uh, unions. You've seen it kind of across the country with things like Starbucks and other uh, retail outlets where, where I think there's much more ability to bring bargaining power to the table. And so this is a good time, I think, for unions to working toward greater ability to organize. I was trying to look up really quick what the uh, union membership rate is. And South Carolina at 1.7%, North Carolina is 2.8%. Yeah. 
So, and then South Dakota, a, a 3.1. So pretty, pretty low on the range there. A 3.1 in South Dakota is like 20 people. <laughs> That's not a lot. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, so we've got the budget coming out Wednesday. We've got sports betting vote that could be, if y'all are listening to this on Monday, it could be, could be Tuesday. Uh, so we've got the Medicaid expansion bill that's going to be signed. And then what do you, uh, what kind of surprises do you think could be in the budget? <laughs> There's usually some sort of attempt of taking power away from, from the executive branch. Do you think we'll, we'll see some of that? Well, that's interesting. And, you know, as a freshman, I'd sort of feel uh, constantly surprised and naive. And I'm sure that you have better guesses than I do about what might be there. What's interesting to me is about the whole idea of taking power from the governor is I'm not sure how I would feel about that if I were Mark Robinson, because either my party doesn't think I'm going to win or they don't want me to have the power. So, But that's sort of more of a political, I guess, um, question to the side. But uh, So it's an interesting time for the, for the legislature to be taking power from the governor. I don't know if that's going to be there. I know that there are fights now over things like the, um, the Board of Education and things like that, and those continue to play out. I do think we have gotten away from the level of balance of powers in our state that uh, that we've had in the past. And I, I think we've gone too far. And I, I don't know what's going to be in the budget. I think that it doesn't sound like abortion will be in the budget. Right. It could, it could be. We'll see. But um, it doesn't seem like that's that's going to be. Um, all right. So uh, longtime listeners know the past month or two, I've started asking lawmakers or people that work in the building what they what they like to eat so what um assuming you eat at the cafeteria or the snack bar or wherever what's what do you get so i don't eat at the cafeteria much but you did see me there yesterday that's right <laughs> at least once um and I, I the thing i always get is the green beans which are really uh very flavorful uh, as far as as green beans go which is not a a dramatic choice but um i'm vegan and so i don't eat meat and that makes uh makes the choices that when when I do go down, it's really just mashed potatoes and whatever vegetables are available. And also, I realize I've just lost all future elections by admitting under the dome that I'm, I'm impeding, but that's okay. Um, well, the green bean lot, we have to Yeah, for yes. Well, part of what I like about the green beans is they remind me of those canned green beans from growing up, you know? They might be. They, they might, <laughs> be. might be the same can, in fact. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to our headliner of the week. Uh, Senator, who or what is your headliner this week? Uh, my headliner uh, is the Wake County uh, School Board because they have um, passed or adopted a master's pay for folks in the system who missed the cutoff for master's pay, which I think was 2013. And I think that's been a, a big issue. It's certainly one I've been hearing a lot about from social workers in the school system and teachers. And uh, so I just applaud them for doing that and taking the step that I think I would hope that the legislature will do which is to go back and put a master's pay back in place for teachers and social workers in our schools. My headliner is also local government. Uh, mine is Durham City Council. They have had a, a lot going on lately, and it's really not just one thing that the headliner. So just overall Durham City Council, there's a council member that's being investigated by the state. Uh, our uh, reporter, uh, Mary Ellen Moore, covers Durham, has been, has been writing about that, this like very contentious meeting that happened a few days ago, if you're listening this Monday, it was, it was this past week. And so there's both the councilor is being in, investigated, she's being censured for something else. 
And then as the meeting ended, two other council members, Deidreana Freeman and Mark Anthony Middleton, who's mayor pro tem now, uh, got into an argument that the media there and anyone left in the building heard because they started going out a different door and had some, um, uh, council member Freeman had some um, very angry words for, for Middleton. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out with how them working together in the future. They've um, been on council together since back when, when I covered Durham when they were running. Um, and I, one thing I noticed about Durham City Council is even when they argue, they work things out sometimes. So we'll see how that pans out as far as the council member being investigated. And that's something else. And then council also is dealing with um, the recent um, shootings and deaths of, um, of teenagers, which is, is just terrible and looking for solutions there. So people are, are looking to the leadership. So that's my headliner. Our, um, we started with state government and with local governments. <laughs> so I think across the board, it, every every body of government seems to kind of function in, in its own ways and have their own dynamics. And uh, it's um, an interesting thing to watch how those things play out over time and how they affect policy. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, for being on the podcast, Senator. Um, I'm Don Bond from the News and Observer. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.